to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell. You can't fight in here, this is the war room. Open the pod bay door. The devil ever told you the was convincing the Personally, Fight Club is. I award you no point. I talk about Fight Club. And may God have mercy on your soul. Hello, everybody. Episode 25 of the Negs Best Film Podcast. I'm your host, Matty Negs. And today, it is a superhero review of Suicide Squad. So naturally, I've got my buddy DJ Valentine from SimplisticReviews.net helping me out. But he's not alone today. With him, he's got Matthew T. Stewart, also from SimplisticReviews.net. The three of us are going to talk about Suicide Squad. We're going to talk about our top three favorite anti-heroes within film. And we're going to talk about what the hell is happening over at DC Warner Brothers. There's a lot to unfold today. So first of all, guys, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, Robert Shapiro and Johnny Cochran over here, here to legalize this podcast. <laughs> What does the T stand for, Matthew? I, I've known you all these times. It stands for... Uh, Tiberius. Tiberius Kirk. That's what I figured. I, I figured it was Tiberius Kirk. T- Tiberius? <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't it? What, I think what, what, everybody who has a middle initial T all T's stand for Tiberius? Tiberius. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we can ask our friend Neil about that, and he'll slap you in the face. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Tiberius. Neil Tiberius D'Souza. Yes, yes. <laughs> too much, too much. <laughs> So, guys, uh, <laughs> let's start off with the basics here. Anything that you guys have been catching up on film or television in the last week or so? I've got a lot to ramble off, but you guys have it, have that at first. Oh, age before beauty, DJ. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I, I I started watching, uh, or I guess catching up with a, a show called Ballers, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> because I'm a masochist Dwayne and I hate T. myself. Rock Dwayne Teen Robinson. No, uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I caught up with uh, the, the, the the Rock Tiberius <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. All right, uh, no, I watched the. <laughs> Uh, the the baller show because um, I'm a masochist and I hate myself. Uh, I I really like The Rock and I, I I was okay with Entourage, but any scene where The Rock is not on like the screen, I don't care. This show is it's, it's very just like empty calories, like Entourage was. But you kind of like those guys a little bit, mm. I guess. So. You could follow like splintering off categories. I don't. They don't use Rob Corddry enough. Uh, the Rock is not in every scene, and Denzel Washington's sons is just. He, every time I look at him, I'm like, well, you're not really an actor. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, I, I like it because some of it's filmed in Florida where I live. So it, 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 oh yeah, I know that's street, <laughs> but that's about all I get out of the, of, of Ballers. I, I I root for it because I like The Rock. But man, it is so vapid, and nothing happens on that show. The the only thing I remember on that show, like at the first episode, like they showed the guy he gets in the car accident because he was getting head from the from his girlfriend. Yes, <laughs> I don't know why that. <laughs> why, why, did, why did you focus so on that, Matt? Like, this is where the show is gonna go. Get on the couch. Let me, talk, let me ask you a question. Well, why it, did you go right to that? Yeah, <laughs> explain. <laughs> Because it's the most memorable scene from the first episode of the only episode that I watched so far. Ah, so why right. wouldn't you remember that <laughs> scene, to be fair, to me? 
sure. All right. The only enjoyment I get out of watching Ballers is that my roommate constantly finds ways to compare me to Rob Corddry's character in the show, <laughs> which I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I think he's funny as hell on the show. And every time he comes on screen, I feel like the mood is just lightened up a lot more. Uh, the Rock, though, he has like such charisma that he just exudes cool every time he's on screen. But man, I, I haven't watched anything from season two. The first season where I think it was, uh, was it Vernon? I don't, I think it was uh, the guy's cousin. I don't remember who exactly it was, but it was like one of his clients. Some of like the worst acting I've seen in a television <laughs> show in ages. Yeah. Like he just sat there and was like emotionless in every single answer that he gave like, yeah, man, I can't wait to get this money. You hear what I'm saying? Like, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. That's how you say the line, you know? And it just it just came across so, ah, uh, just annoying. But overall, though, if I want to kill a half an hour and I just want something light that's not going to fuck up my mind or fuck up my day or just depress me in general, I'll watch Ballers. It's so empty. I mean, like I said, getting head in a show is always a plus. <laughs> That's always kind of. Bad. That's how you mark so, your. If, you, if, you're, if you're, you know, you don't see that enough in, in shows. I mean, maybe maybe the last show or movie where they really focus on. This, this really affected you. Get back on the couch. Let me, let me let me let's get to the middle of this. Let's get to the let's get to the heart of the situation. This really affected you. You're gonna dig I'm down. Gonna, I want to get dig deep here, Stuart. Dig dig way down into I my problem. Get to the heart of this matter. I don't think you have enough time on this podcast. <laughs> I'm really reminded of that scene in Bridesmaids when John Hamm's like asking her for Roadhead yes. and she's all like a little lap uh, nap, uh, uh, little nap, <laughs> little nap lap. I think lap nap might be go. the best like line ever in the history of comedy. Maybe it might be in the top five. Or they say I'm broad, uh, broad city, a little little penis kiss. That's all it is. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, I saw two films that haven't gotten uh, the biggest of releases this year. I um. And I saw these two actually right before I went away on vacation. Uh, one of them was Cafe Society, uh, which was Woody Allen's latest film. And the other one was Captain Fantastic, starring Viggo Mortensen, which had a good premiere over at Sundance early this year. Let me first move over to Cafe Society. And let me just start off by saying that I did not like this movie. I think it's... Uh, I think it's Woody Allen kind of sleepwalking through one of his movies and not really putting forward the effort that I like to see in some of his other works, such as Midnight in Paris or Blue Jasmine. This was something that I know that a lot of people find a lot of enjoyment in, but myself, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't get anything out of it. I really, really couldn't. I just found the entire thing to be self-centered, annoying. Um, the characters make decisions that just make you go what and everybody is not likable so for me it was yeah, so it's, it's like it's problem. like it's woody allen in real life yeah essentially and i mean it, yeah that's uh it's such a terrible thing to say but a guy that makes yes. bad decisions self-centered <laughs> nebbish i guess that's perfect why you have jesse eisenberg in this movie he's yes. in this movie right jesse yes and jesse eisenberg yeah. does remind me of a young woody allen in terms of his fast-paced delivery and how quickly he can just rattle off that dialogue, but yeah, I, I, I was personally not a fan of this one. Did you did, have either one of you guys seen that no, one? No, not yet. No, I think the last Woody Allen movie I saw was uh, I saw Blue Blue Jasmine was his last feature though. Right? Uh, no, he, the, no, the one no, with no. Uh, Emma Stone and Colin Firth was the last one I saw. Oh, okay, I get mixed up because he, he still puts out like a movie a year. Yeah. Well, he slowed down a little bit, but he's still putting out a 
crazy amount of movies at this point. I think the last thing I really liked by him was Midnight in Paris was the last thing I really enjoyed by him. I will say this, Steve Carell and uh, Kristen Stewart, though, are both uh, good in the film, it, and it it makes me feel good that Steve Carell is continuing the role that he's on right now, and Kristen Stewart is very underappreciated as an actress, and I think that a lot of people need to give her an easier time uh, when it comes to just accepting her as an actress, ultimately, after twilight uh, as long as she gets I guess wipes her eyes a little bit and get, wakes up a little bit she's still looks a little too and, sleepy and stops biting her lip yeah stop biting that lip it's like that's sexy on some girls but sorry Kristen Stewart that just doesn't work for you like biting that lip just I'd rather watch other people bite their lip not her so moving it over though Captain Fantastic is one of the more enjoyable movies I saw this year so far um, I rated it three and a half stars out of five Viggo Mortensen has his best role uh, since Eastern Promises, in my opinion, in this. And he is absolutely phenomenal here. It totally anchors the movie on his shoulders, and he is reason to see this movie. If I could equate it to another indie film I saw earlier this year, um, Hello, My Name is Doris with Sally Field. She's the price of admission for that movie. Viggo Mortensen is that for this. And um, the storyline I thought was... Uh, very thought-provoking. It really presented a lot of different ideas that made you think a lot about parenting and how parents choose to raise their kids and what's really the right way, what's really the wrong way. What does society in input upon to you as far as how you think that you, your kids are supposed to be raised versus um, a more practical scientific way? You know, he raises them in the wild. They're all, they're all physically fit. He helps them to read uh history and books he th he makes them like think analytically and critically and they're very very smart the problem is that they haven't had interactions with other people outside of themselves and as a result when they do go into the real world they're not necessarily prepared for it um so it's got a little bit of a give and take to it there but damn Viggo Mortensen he kills it in this absolutely kills it I wish I wish he acted more I really do Speaks like uh, like uh, fluent Spanish. You think he'd be? I think he did a full length Spanish film uh, a couple years back. The guy is uber talented. So. He's too busy making telenovelas, and he should be making more American films. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Right. Enough Vigo. <laughs> Sabado Gigante. Yeah. Oh, imagine Vigo Mortensen on Sabado Sabado Gigante. Oh, I would pay a thousand dollars to watch Sabado. As the same, as the same character Sabado from Gigante. Eastern Promises. Oh man. <laughs> Donde esta? Donde esta? <laughs> <laughs> no, but instead of Spanish, though, you got to keep the Russian accent. I was, I was trying to pull stop. that off a little bit. It was kind of unsuccessful. Yeah, I heard it. Meanwhile, D, <laughs> DJ's going full Spanish. Donde esta? Donde esta? The movie kind of reminded me a little, like, a little bit of uh, like a Royal Tenenbaum-ish. It's got, kind of got that... Uh, Wes Anderson type vibe to it at least I don't know I don't know if it's anything like that but it's got a yeah it's not really shot like a Wes Anderson movie but it definitely has that kind of a vibe in terms of its story though you're 100% correct on that in my opinion and I think Matt Ross it's just it's by far his best film but I think the screenplay is better than his directing in the movie so it's not perfect but as far as you know higher tier movies I've seen this year it, it's one of the better ones for sure hmm. So I don't know if you guys knew or not. I went away on vacation for a week. I went to the Bahamas for the first time ever. I was and wondering where you were, Negs. We were outside your apartment all day. We couldn't find you. <laughs> yeah, knocking on the window like, where is this guy? He owes me money. 
We're gonna find this motherfucker. We're I swear. Find this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you guys like Joe Pesci and fucking Goodfellas right now. <laughs> Get this through your head. Get this through your head, eh? You know, you, you, listen to me, Henry. I'm trying to bang this broad here. <laughs> um, but um, so I'm I'm away on vacation, and there were so many times because I do this in life a lot. I I listen to what people say, and I always think of movie references as a result. So there were three <laughs> times where three different movie references came up, and they were so perfectly uh, timed and well placed. The first one was when I was playing uh, volleyball in the pool. And I spiked it, huh. and uh, I scored, and everybody cheered, and it was awesome. And then somebody else on the other team spiked it on our side, but at a little kid. And mm. the little kid couldn't defend himself, so then I just went, It's only a game, Fokker! <laughs> <laughs> the second one uh, was uh, just a throwaway line. I was thinking of um, uh, in Bruges when Colin Farrell uh, turns to uh, Jack Leeson. He goes, uh, The Bahamas, maybe? In terms of where they could send them, other than uh, in Bruges, essentially. And then the third one, oh, this was my favorite. Um, when I went through customs. The perfect place where you'd need a movie quote in customs when the guy everything should be taken seriously. No, the, guy goes, of course. the guy goes, anything to declare? And my response was, yeah, don't go to London. Oh my god. They should have fucking arrested you and like anally checked you. No, 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 no. I, I said it like you underneath suck. my breath, hoping that he wouldn't hear me. Did you just fucking. He'd be like, like, did you just fucking quote Dennis Farina to me? Did you just did quote you just, Snatch Man? The fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. But I respect that. Putting on latex gloves, throw your zero ass against the wall. <laughs> Um, the, the only movie that I caught, it was uh, one night I decided to have an early night because I was pretty beat up. I was really, really tired, and I wanted to get an early start the next morning. Uh, Analyze That came on, which to me is the last film that Robert De Niro was actually funny in. And it's not that he's even funny. He's still playing tough guy, gangster like Robert De Niro, and Billy Crystal's the one that's just reacting off of him and being funny. Now, Analyze This is a, is a funnier movie than Analyze That in my opinion, but um, as far as, you know, realizing, oh my gosh, this is 2002, this is after Meet the Parents, hmm. I can't think of any other movie uh, since then, as far as comedy goes for De Niro, where I thought that De Niro was actually funny. I mean, his dramatic work, Silver Lining's Playbook, he's, you know, as I, actually is probably his most recent film that I really enjoyed him in, but can anybody else think of anything else that he's been in that... <sighs> They were particularly fond of with him, other than uh, Silver Lang's playbook. Yeah, as far as him, his comedy goes. Yeah, that's a tough one. I liked his little bit part in American Hustle. That was entertaining. But in terms yeah. of comedy, I can't really name anything else he's done that was funny. I don't know. He's just not yeah. a funny guy. No. <laughs> no. He's not. <laughs> I don't get laughter out of that. <laughs> People imitating Robert De Niro is funnier than Robert De Niro. Pretty much. That's that's his lot in life at this point. I, it's funny because I know I know he's I know, I know he's been in comedies, but it's like I never took him as a comedian until like I guess he Midnight Run was funny with him in it. But that was Midnight like back Run, in the eighties. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good. But I mean, hey, Matt, write that Matt, write that down for a commentary track. Yeah, yeah, Midnight, Midnight Run. Midnight Run, is, uh, got it. 
Midnight Run's a pretty funny De Niro, but though he's playing the straight man. Yeah, to grow. Well, so. it's funny because they kind of they switch a lot, and Dennis Freen is in that too. What's, what's Dennis Freen to say? He's gonna stab you in the fucking heart with a spoon or something like that. <laughs> and Joey Pants. Joey, and Pants, Joey Pants, Pants is in, is in it too. Wow, that movie's yeah. fucking great. I fucking love Midnight Run. Midnight Run. Midnight Run. Let's talk about Midnight yeah. Run. Yeah, let's talk about something else. Danny Elfman score for Midnight Run, and uh... can't go wrong with Midnight Run. Is it really is a fantastic film? I, that's a film I need to go back and revisit. Off at Kodo with the sunglasses in oh, yeah. the car. <laughs> we on, fucking guys. rocks. <laughs> I'm gonna go watch Midnight Run right now. <laughs> well, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, I gotta stop you because now oh. it is time for us to review Suicide Squad. Oh, well, I was on such a high. I know, now you bring me so low. High. This is the yeah. film that is written by David Ayer and directed by David Ayer. If you haven't seen any of his other work before, I recommend End of Watch and Fury. This here is the next installment in Warner Brothers DC Extended Universe, Suicide Squad. Gentlemen, ladies, what if Superman had decided to fly down, rip off the roof of the White House, grab the president right out of the Oval Office? Who would have stopped him? build a team of some very bad people who I think can do some good. Y'all jokers must be crazy. What? This is the deal. You disobey me, you die. Try to escape, you die. You got a boyfriend? You irritate or vex me. I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. You die. They get caught, we throw them under the bus. What a ride! Let's play! Come on, got some better dirt? Light it up! I love this guy. Not good. Don't forget, we're the bad guys. Are you sweet-talking me? All of that chit-chat's gonna get you hurt. The man's the back is ready to crack if he raises his ass in the sky. And the girl in the car is everyone's fun. And she can kill you with a wink, wink of her eye. I was just trying to get you there. No hard feelings, right? We good. What you having? Beer. Whiskey. What am I, 12? How about you, hot stuff? Water. That's a good idea, honey. Okay, so Suicide Squad. The story goes, a secret government agency recruits a group of imprisoned supervillains to execute dangerous black ops missions in exchange for clemency, which inevitably leads to chaos. The film is starring Will Smith, Jared Leto, Marco Robbie, Joel Kinnaman, Viola Davis, and the list just goes on and on, but realistically, those are the most important people at this point. Matthew, you are the newest person on the show. We're going to pass it off to you first, but no spoilers. 
Mm. That'll come later. What did you think of Suicide Squad? Uh, well, this has been one of those hotly content. I think this has almost taken over as like the next like everybody made made a big deal about Ghostbusters, but that was for completely different reasons. So this is just the next movie in the kind of shit summer that we've gotten in movies, at least in the probably the past few months, I would say. First Ghostbusters, now this. Uh, overall, this was just a I don't know just. I'm almost sick and tired of talking here. I'm, I'm more sick of hearing about the movie and how much it sucks and everything like that. I think the movie is it's got plenty of flaws, and I know DJ and I have spoken at length about this in a very almost heated. Car- I wanted to like choke him through the internet. I wanted to send him like a <laughs> computer virus. Like I wanted to send I him aware. like a computer. A fr- I thought it was a friendly conversation. I no, I wanted to send you a. I wanted to send you a computer STD. He, he wants to miss a robot you. Like, oh, oh Jesus Christ! I apologize. Yeah, I'm gonna Mister Robot oh your God. ass. Please, God, don't ro- Mister Robot me. Don't ever Mister Robot me. You have to. <laughs> I haven't even seen this season. I want to Mister Robot you because apparently it's fucked up. <laughs> so I'll take that. But just, I mean, we we got into a pretty spirited debate about it just uh, on uh, on Facebook, but. My biggest, my biggest issues, and DJ will probably disagree with me, is just some of the characterizations of certain characters I wasn't entirely 100% happy with. The movie itself is a mess. It kind of, it starts hopeful, but it starts in a way that it's like, okay, this is really cool because I love montages, but then it just devolves into this half-baked plot of uh, get these guys into one place, have them do one thing, and then have them get out. That's it. So it's a very paint by numbers plot. Not there re- really aren't any any stakes because some of the characters you just don't really give a fuck about. So it's just overall underwhelming for how we were supposed to take this as the movie that was going to save DC, and instead of probably buried it a little bit more. But even though everybody saw this movie, but we'll wait until uh, week two to see how the receipts go, and if people keep going to see the movie, I guess. DJ. Dear DC, if you want to re-edit a film because you can't control your reactionary meddling ways, maybe try and re-edit it in a way where the film makes fucking sense. <laughs> Not even that we don't notice. Drop the mic. Just just make sure it makes sense. This was the most frustrating film I've seen this year. Uh, not just because it was like my most anticipated film, and I've been like screaming about this to Matt and Justin on our show for like a, a goddamn year now. Not just because it could have actually fixed DC uh, quality wise. It's just frustrating because all the parts are there for this film to work. Yeah, it just. Mm. It, it just, it, it, they're all there. They're just unfortunately just thrown on the ground and drowned out by trendy music by Eminem and uh, I can't freaking on the waterfront. So much potential going off to the by a studio in the skies. for like spirit in the sky. This guy, yeah, it's like why? That might be my favorite part this? just because I love that song. So you love that song, but <laughs> I could have been playing over a you know a snuff film. You would have enjoyed that part. I mean, it it sounded like my fucking like iPod like about seven years ago and everything. I was like, oh damn, I love these songs. Like seven years ago, it's ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, I I I just thought this movie. I mean, and and what Matt is saying, it should have been the paint. It's like a paint by numbers setup. But I guess they try and overcomplicate it by shuffling all these things around and not making it make sense and because you're shuffling things around and reshooting things they're 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 losing character motivations or we're losing scenes that would explain other scenes or would explain continuity errors that we're having in shots just really elementary 
just sloppy stuff. I mean, the, the biggest word I can come out, this movie is sloppy as hell. And even the people who like it acknowledge it is sloppy as hell. There's nothing here that it's like, you know, oh, this was a well put together movie. No, no, no. Everything you hear and everything you will hear is that the movie, I had fun, which doesn't mean it's not sloppy, and that the characters are great, which doesn't mean it's not sloppy. As a film, it is sloppy as shit. The characters themselves, Matt is right. There are certain character traits that are a little little off but i mean compared to you know batman v superman well you know yeah seen, of course they're, cl- they're closer to the mark than other uh dc movies we've gotten the characters again are great which isn't saying much which is uh, <laughs> yeah the characters are great it, but this this movie man it, it is it as when i first came on your show maddie negs we were watching night of cups and night of cups was like i was like i don't know what the hell i just watched and i I, I, I shudder to think that this got close because of the, of the editing style and the reshoots and the inserts and the comebacks and the retakes and the, the, the swirling around of whatever this plot should have been. This should have been simple. You take fucking six guys and you send them to do a mission and they come back. It should have been that simple. Yeah. No, we're going to have 18 flashbacks. And what is with DC and flashbacks? Play the fucking movie linearly one time. Let's see if you can do it once. But don't you want to know the history of... Who the fuck cares? There you go. <laughs> you just hit the nail right on the head. You just hit. You just literally nailed it. Because here, here's the biggest problem, and I, it, Batman vs Superman, experienced this. Unfortunately, Suicide Squad experiences this as well. It's DC and Warner Brothers trying to do too much in one film because they're desperately trying to play catch up with Marvel. Yep. My biggest issue with this movie is two things. One inserted beats of humor which quite honestly did not work for me at all i didn't find any of the humor beats with killer croc funny the only person (laughs) i thought that was actually funny was harley quinn and that's because she was just being harley quinn i mean that to me pissed me off so much because when i heard they were doing reshoots to inject more humor into the movie immediately a red flag went up in my mind and it clearly showed in the final product of the film itself my second issue with this movie is the inserted scenes of other characters from the dc universe which i will not get into necessarily here we'll save that for spoilers but how it just feels so forced and that's the biggest downfall of this movie is that there are moments in this that just feel forced there's a dramatic moment in the final 20 minutes of the movie that concerned uh, the El Diablo character that just feels so thrown in there and so last minute. The reason why Will Smith's character arc works in this movie is because it's established early on and then it comes full circle at the end where this other character who, you know, is played by an actor that we don't really necessarily, uh, you know, know so much about, you know, as we do with someone like Will Smith it's like it just seemed like mm, you know what i just got it the best comparison i could possibly make is to x-men apocalypse which came out earlier this year and how marvel also struggled to balance so many different characters in one film now x-men has the benefit of having previous films come before it where certain characters get to shine in this one and certain characters get to shine in this one, but everybody kind of has their moment and it's evened out. This, it just felt like there was focus on Harley Quinn, Deadshot, and fuck everybody else. 
and anything else that they tried to throw in there just didn't work. The storyline with Dr. June Moore and Rick Flagg didn't work. The Jared Leto as the Joker is a lot of fun, but my God, did they mismarket the hell out of this movie because I thought he was going to be a component for this film that was going to be huge and it amounts to what? Less than 10 minutes of screen time? Come on. A Redditor is suing. A Redditor is trying to sue them because of false advertising for the commercial. Yeah, of course, Reddit would sue somebody, you fucking idiots. Yeah, they tried to take down Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> yeah. which is the most ridiculous thing I've heard in ages. It, it, I mean, I mean, I will say this. I think critics are being a little too harsh on the film. I really do. I think there are some good things here, and I think within a re-edited version there's a decent film in there that's better than what we got here i think the film is shot well i think the the music choices they're fun but yeah there's there's too many of them at certain points and i do agree that the first half of the film is more lively than the second half those character introductions where the text comes up on the screen you've got the weird colored filters going on that was that was energetic that was fun that was uh very exciting to me but the second half of the film it really, really suffers because the same reason why X-Men Apocalypse suffered. You have an all-powerful villain with no established rules as to what they can and can't do. And as a result, when the heroes are fighting this villain, I'm like, wait a minute, isn't this thing all-powerful and could just snap their fingers and just kill them in an instant? Why are we getting an actual hand-to-hand combat fight scene out of this? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then they forget about that, and it goes into... This, this is a mission, like, I, I, I've said this before, this is a mission that should have been for Justice League Dark, not the Suicide Squad. <laughs> Justice League Dark, you need Zatanna, yeah, yeah. you need... Con- this is a little John too Constantine. supernatural, I think. This is too, uh, <laughs> too crazy for guys with guns and baseball bats and, and, and boomerangs. Yeah. explode you don't need these guys for this mission you pick the wrong squad <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't know i mean it seems like they are establishing i mean hopefully with the end i hope they go somewhere in the vicinity of a justice league dark at some point because it seems like there are some kind of wink wink nod nod moments to that and maybe we will see it but overall I mean, and you brought it up negs like the whole humor the humor also didn't work for me too i've never been that a fan of the whole like hey get it we're bad guys but we're gonna do bad stuff but then mention that we're i i just absolutely hate that type of humor and i i remember sitting in the theater and just being com- completely this nobody had any emotion to that stuff whatsoever it was like okay next scene <laughs> just I, I i absolutely hated it i mean will smith had his moments too i, I thought he was probably the the shining beacon. Him and Jay Hernandez to me were the two beacons in this movie that I really did enjoy for the most part. Oh, so part. you did like Jay Hernandez. I thought his arc I thought his character had the biggest arc next to probably Deadshot at this point. I mean uh, on the were, on the page I could see that, but I didn't feel it was executed well on the screen. Well, I don't think anything was executed well on the screen in this movie. So, I mean, that's that's a moot point at this at this moment. So, I mean, there were so many issues that you can you can pick that apart. But if you just if you took it from like a script to if you just write from the script and go like, okay, there's some heft, there's some sadness, there's a, there's a little bit of stake right here for this one specific character. Um, so that I enjoyed, uh, I, and I can take something good away from that. Something I expected nothing from El Diablo. It's like, who the fuck is this character I've never fucking heard of? <laughs> I was more like, where's King Shark? Bring King Shark in here. That would have been badass. But I guess they you had Killer... They contemplated King Shark. They contemplated... It would have been, been way better than fucking Killer Croc. I mean, yeah. let's talk about that for a minute, because 
Killer Croc, you know, speaks what? Like, okay, maybe it's not once, but I can count on one hand how many times he has lines. Yeah. And they're just forced one-liners. I, I would have rather preferred he didn't talk at all and his actions spoke more than any words they could have possibly have given him because it, he just felt wasted to me. Katana, wasted. Slipknot, what? His whole purpose. Oh, Slipknot. I'm not even, Slipknot, wait, spoiler, I'm not going to get into it. under the dictionary, yeah. Slipknot's face is right there looking back at you. Uh, but I mean, like, hey guys. there's so many characters in this film that just felt completely and utterly wasted. Uh, you know, Jared Leto, the poor guy, he tortured everybody on set, giving them like dead animal heads and staying in character the entire time and creeping everybody out. And unfortunately, what shows up on the screen it's not a good representation of the work that I'm sure he put into this, but the scenes where he is on screen, I loved every minute of it. I know people are very anti his performance right now, and it's kind of all over the place and definitely has people divided. I didn't have much of a problem with it personally. I thought him, um, Marco Robbie, who I, you know, her and Will Smith, definitely the two best aspects of the film, in my opinion, but I thought the three of them did a really fantastic job with their characters. Uh, I I I I'm I'm sorry. I'm just trying to. My brain. You gotta understand. This hurts. This movie hurt me more than Batman v Superman because I I I, I kind of saw that coming. We kind of saw yeah. the writing on the wall. Yeah. Uh, after that Doomsday trailer, I was like, oh man. Yeah. Doomsday indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of saw that coming. It was worse than I thought it was going to be. Even then. Sure. This I had. I was so hyped for this movie. I was like, please be good. And like. Two days before I saw it, it was like that's when the critics came out and they were saying blah blah blah. They cut all the stuff out of the movie and blah blah blah, and it's sloppy. And there's three edits, and they then the thing that scared the shit out of me before I watched it was we got the people who cut the trailer to edit the movie. Yeah, that's smart. And I think I said that as a joke once because <laughs> I love the trailer so much. But <laughs> if that's actually what they did, <laughs> that might be the most reactionary shit I've ever seen from a major studio in the history. You have for a film to work is not the same as a trailer to work. If I say it as a joke, it doesn't mean, hey, let's, let's do that. Let's kick Dan Gilroy, who's edited Nightcrawler to the side mm. for the editors of the trailers. That, that It's just so... And, it, and what we got is this scatterbrained, the whole, the first 30 minutes is a exposition scene where Amanda Waller's... Oh, I'm spoiling the movie. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's just so sloppy. It's so sloppy. And there was... You know how you know this film's going to be sloppy? The moment the film's title comes up on the screen at a very oddly placed time, you just know that this film has been second-guessed to death in the editing rooms. Right. To, to death. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, David Ayer's uh, credit, he is, like, not... Pulling a Josh Trank because we sh if we at least he's owning it at least yeah yeah I mean if we attack I I I don't want to attack this movie because of the the oh Marvel fanboy he hates it but I mean if I I got on all on top of Fantastic Four and this it, this might not be as bad but it's fucking close when it comes to studio interference yeah it's right you can there. feel it you totally can feel it. You know, David Ayer sits there and he says that this was his director's cut that he released. Bull fucking shit. It's his director's yeah, cut. He's he's being paid some hush money for he's that. He's being yeah. a soldier is what he's having. He's like, look, I'm I I'll be I'll take I'll take the L on this one. <laughs> Just remember me down the line when I went funding for my film. You have Jared Leto in interviews saying that five 
uh, at least five scenes or something along those lines. Like so much stuff ended up on the cutting room floor. And you don't even need to. You don't even need to hear Jared Leto. Watch the trailers, then watch the movie. There's like four scenes in the trailers that aren't in the movie with the Joker in them. <laughs> yeah. So we, we know there's shit cut out of this movie. The the. The, the, there's there's so many I don't I don't want to spoil anything I almost spoil I, I I'll step back <laughs> so yeah back the fuck up yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> oh man it's like I I didn't mean to get you there we're, we're cool though right <laughs> I feel like El Diablo I'm gonna burst in the fucking flames right now <laughs> hey what do you want to drink water water that wasn't even in the movie nope it wasn't no but you know what you did have in the in the movie you had B-E-T. B-E-T, which made me throw my soda on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I got so angry. when I, I would have pissed on the floor. I would have just whipped my dick out and just pissed all over the floor. I go, that's it. This is what it's come down to. <laughs> this is where we are with this with this world we live in. Trump president and fucking crocodiles talking about B-E-T. You know what this movie could have should have been or they should have structured it as? Predators. I know people are either here or there on Predators, but the cool thing about Predators are they get these ragtag people and they yeah. go on a survival mission mm-hmm. and it's just straight. There's no thinking involved. You don't need to just, know backstory. You, you don't, don't need to know, know back- shit. It, you get it naturally as they're going along. You don't yeah. need all of this crazy. And Predators, to its credit, it's just, I know people are like, Predators sucked, whatever. Fuck I you, like Predators, Predators is awesome. I like I like Predators because it's just straight down the line action film. Yeah. And that's what this should have been. This shouldn't have been some Guy Ritchie attempt. You have to be Guy Ritchie to do Guy Ritchie things. You have to be Quentin Tarantino to do out of uh, order shit. You need a deft hand to do something like this. And this is not a deft hand. This is sewing together Frankenstein's monster and passing him off as a person. Yeah. And that's what this movie is. The, the parts might be great parts, but it looks like a fucking guy with stitches in his face when you put it all together. Yeah. This isn't David Ayer's style. This isn't typical Ayer. That's why it's so frustrating, I think, too. I heard he only had six weeks to write the script, from what I understand. And Scott Weinberg on Twitter earlier today said something that I, I could not say more perfectly. And I, I, I don't think this is spoilers to say this, but he thinks that the whole film should have been the Suicide Squad chasing Joker and Harley Quinn around the city, having to capture them and bring them back to prison. And that would have made a better movie than what we ended up with here. And to be honest with you, when the first trailer that emerged a year ago came out, that's exactly what I thought this movie was going to be. It seemed like it could have been that with the whole uh, Batman jumping on the car in the trailer and stuff like that. Right. And Rambo and everything. That's why, uh, you know, when you're hearing about this whole thing about suing due to mismarketing and what have you, I can totally see why fans are disappointed with the movie that we ultimately got instead of what could have been. I don't think it is a disaster on the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice level, though. No, I, no, I no, truly no. don't. Not, no, no. And I definitely think it's it, it's not as good. As, I wouldn't even say it's as good as Man of Steel, but it's certainly better than Batman v Superman and better than Green Lantern. Thank God. That's a movie still. I didn't even know that it still existed. For a movie where, it, again, if you're going to count it, when you're talking about the DC universe, the new DC universe, in terms of story structure, I think it's the worst. In terms of characters, I think it's the best. So when you even all that out, I think it's better than Batman vs Superman because Batman vs Superman, you got a director who's directing a character who he doesn't like, so he kinds of makes every decision he makes either undercut by 
somebody or just completely off. And then you have another character he ha- he kind of likes, but he kind of likes him to be a murderer. So it's just like it's not they don't under- completely understand that character. So it's it's better than that. It's just so it's like watching a good movie while doing drugs where it doesn't make a lot of sense. But what you're seeing looks good. But if you had to describe it to somebody, you couldn't because you were high off of LSD. Like There's a good so idea, right? Now. Well, I mean, I could I could kind of ex- I could kind of explain like the base tier of what this film is about. It's about a group of. Uh, you know, villains who are let out of prison, who have to go on a dangerous mission. Uh, but at that point, it's like, wait a minute, she's where and she wasn't there the whole time, and they're killing FBI agents. And you, you know, you, what? you know, what you sound like Maddie Nix. You sound like a guy who's high on LSD right now. <laughs> That's what you. Why sound are you like. sharing? That's you know, sharing is caring. I'll yeah, tell you yeah. what. I'll, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll share it later. We'll pop in a neon demon, and then we'll watch Ooh, a film yeah. with some true there color to it. There we go. There, there go. we go. So let's toss it off to final thoughts and grades here before we dive into spoilers. Matthew, I'll pass it off to you first. Final thoughts and what grade would you give Suicide Squad? Uh, well, and I, I won't say this is the most disappointing movie of the year for me, but it's, I mean, I had very low expectations, but I can see why so many people are upset about a movie that had high hopes, and it seemed like the cast was into it, and so many people were into it, and it was surefire to, to be victorious, and it just fucking failed so miserably. Um, there is something good in here. If anything, it's something to look forward to. Uh, for another movie, which is unfortunate to say, you shouldn't be talking about a movie that just came out and say like, "Well, I, I guess we'll get them next time." I guess. Uh, so for, oh, for for that reason, I just give it a. I think I had given it a C uh, elsewhere, but I'll still stick with my C. It's just a. It's a movie that's there. It will be. If if it wasn't part of a bigger universe, it would have been something that's completely disposable and forgotten about within a month. DJ. Uh, I, I'm I'm in lockstep with Matt. I think I'm I'm sticking with 2.5 C, right in the middle of average. I mean, and and it sounds like it should be worse by my ranting and raving, but I'm ranting and raving because this movie could have been fucking amazing, and yeah. they just took it and they jumbled it up, and they didn't have confidence in David Ayer. If you hire David Ayer, let him do let him do David Ayer shit. If you don't want him to do David Ayer shit, hire a fucking puppet. Why yeah. that 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 part frustrates me, and especially when I'm watching a movie and I can tell when their scenes completely cut out of it, where motivations are lost. I shouldn't be able to tell that. If you're gonna do this shit, where you're gonna f this movie up, do it deftly. Make it so it at least makes sense, and they don't even do that. They just wanted to get it out there because they know if you hit in August, you make money. If your movie comes out in August first, it's almost guaranteed because you have limited competition at at all. So. They just Frankenstein's monster this thing, and it, it angers me because it could have been awesome. I wanted to be awesome, and the only good thing I know is that at least the Ben Affleck Batman movie will be dope <laughs> because I have a good Joker, I have a good Harley Quinn, uh, I have a good Amanda Waller, so that the Justice League movie might be better too down the line. The characters again are great in a bubble. All the characters to me, I dug. This this movie is a structural. It's a dumpster fire in terms of structure. I, I mean. I, if you know anything about writing a script or editing anything, you should be watching this movie like, they got away with this at Warner Brothers? How? <laughs> How would you do this? How could you do this? But yeah, it's a, it's an average C for me. So Batman v Superman was 
trashed for being overly dark where I felt that this film needed to be the darkest film that they've ever done. Um, and what I mean by that, though, is not make it uh, bleak and humorless. There does need to be a, a degree of humor in this movie. And I think that their attempts at doing it, though, within the PG-13 rating didn't work. Had this been an R rating and they had more flexibility with what they could have possibly have done with it in terms of not the humor, but graphic nature of who these characters are. I think that would have inspired better character motivations and better character beats personally, because these are dark, fucked up people. So why can't you build a movie around that? Instead, we have to have sympathy for the bad guys, which is going to be so weird when we have to then see uh, Bats eventually go up against Joker and Harley in a Batman uh, Batman standalone film at some point, which, hey, you know what? Ben Affleck in the director's chair, maybe he'll make it work. We'll have to wait and see. But, man, I, I, I'm i with you guys. This was one of my top five most anticipated movies of the year. And it's easily the biggest disappointment I have experienced so far. It's shot really well. David Ayer's, uh, his... His vision is there. The vision that he has for this movie is clearly you could see it. It's the execution that stumbles. And whether it be because there's too many cooks in the kitchen or if the script just wasn't developed enough. I mean, at this point, it's just it is, it is unfortunately a dud. And that that to me is so disappointing to admit because I, too, had high hopes for this movie like Whoa. I don't think it's the worst movie I've seen so far this year. I do think critics are being a little too harsh on the film, calling it, you know, the worst movie they've seen this year, an ugly film. Um, It's, you know, just not even fun. There's fun to be had in this movie. And there are moments that do make you smile. And there are moments that are, you know, decent. It's not a shitty movie by any means it's maybe just possibly one of those movies that should a director's cut or well this is apparently his director's cut should a different cut of this film come out and we've had time to step back and let the expectations die a bit and we watch this new cut maybe we can reform our opinion on the movie as it is i i too am uh lock and step with you as well uh dj i give it two and a half stars out of five so That'll about do it there for our review of Suicide Squad. But let's get into some spoilers before we head over to our countdown. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, spoilers for Suicide Squad. Clearly, we want to talk about this because we were dying to do so in our normal review, and it was a little hard to hold back on many of the aspects here. (laughs) But if you're still listening... Only be listening if you have actually seen the film, for we will be talking about the spoilers for Suicide Squad. That is your final warning. Guys, have at it. What do you want to throw out there? Motivations lost through editing. The biggest sacrifice or suicide in the movie happens with, spoiler alert again, last chance, El Diablo. And before he does this, he says something like, I'm not going to let another family go because we've missed like what family what are you talking about El Diablo? <laughs> <laughs> we, you, you've said maybe six words to these people and they've done nothing to you so either they 
they cut out a scene where they, you know, the Suicide Squad kind of bond. And it's not that bar scene because he's doing all the talking there. They're not only, yeah. and Harley Quinn's yelling at him to own shit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's not well, like oh, they're I becoming a family that in that moment. It's a good scene. It's probably the best scene of the movie. But that's not... That, that that's not enough for him to say I'm going to save sacrifice myself for my family. That 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 that's one motivation that makes no sense to me. Either they forgot to add that stuff or they cut that stuff out. Either way, it's a mistake. Two. During that same bar scene, Boomerang leaves and then just magically appears again. No reason why. <laughs> this is what the, what we're talking about. Editing is just it's so poor or it's. I, I'm trying to figure out who to blame. Either the editor fucked up, the writers fucked up, or the directors fucked up. Somebody fucked up because it doesn't make any sense the way it is right now. Well, it's a checks and balance at that point where it's like if you have three people there, you think somebody would catch that edit and go like, hmm, it doesn't quite make sense. It's uh, Do we have any B-roll or an extra footage yeah, that we yeah, may have uh, shot there? Uh, no? All right. Well, like, they won't like, notice. There's two moments, and there's two moments that where I'm watching it. And I, this is where I started to really really like notice it because it was like it was it was clear kind of in the beginning and then i was like okay this is getting ridiculous this is like almost like amateur shit why does deadshot not shoot harlequin why there's no reason for him not to shoot her i none i i really i mean honor among thieves that whole thing when <laughs> when <laughs> I, apparently over the course of two hours you shoot harlequin you get your daughter back ah uh, she's dead now nah, i missed why? Why? Where is the scene where you know? What's the motivation for you to actually? What is miss? your motivation to do that? It's not there. And in that same exact scene, we've established Harley Quinn has established that, and the movie has established that Harley Quinn's uh, neck bomb does not work anymore. Joker turned it off. Right? We are aware of this. Yeah, right? I have a feeling. Yes. Bar scene. Rick Flag goes in, shuts the thing off. What does Harley Quinn do? Check her neck bomb. Why is she checking her neck bomb? We've already established her neck bomb doesn't forgot. fucking work. She forgot. <laughs> she forgot. I think or, somebody fucking or forgot. she doesn't. Or she never completely trusted the Joker to turn it off. She what? never completely trusted the Joker. I don't know. I'm, I'm stretching here. I'm trying. I'm trying to make. <laughs> she jumped into a vat of fucking acid. <laughs> She jumped into a vat of acid trusting the Joker. I think she trusts him to turn off the neck bomb in oh, the neck. Can we also talk about, too, jumping into acid and no reaction whatsoever to doing so? No screaming, no flailing. It's DC. It's DC acid, Matt. It's DC acid. It's it's uh... it's Ace Chemical Acid. It, it never really hurt, kills you. When, when that scene also in the bar, a lot of this shit happened in the bar. That's why I think the bar is king of the reshoots. Yeah. Because there's, there, and, and king of editing down, because as Matt was saying, the whole water, that's that whole thing is gone. And in the middle of Rick Flagg's conversation with Deadshot, you can tell there is a massive edit in the middle of yes. that, that scene because he aimed, he picked, you kept these letters from my daughter, you kept these letters of these daughter from me, and they do this cut to Rick Flagg and they cut back, and Will Smith is talking about something completely different in the same shot. Like well, he got like, over it really quick, you know. He's like, really okay. quick. Yeah, they, they they quickly are established as not necessarily friends at the end, but like when Rick Flag like uh, holds off the guys uh, from putting him back in chains, so we can have like a couple more moments with his daughter. That implies that there's like some sort of like respect amongst the two now. And I never really got the sense of what moment in the film that was established. It, it's either on the cutting room floor. They didn't add it because of right. Somebody fucked up. Because we, it's it's blatant apparent. You can't just say, "Oh no, whatever." No, that's a big fucking. That's that's four motivations for four main characters that make no that doesn't make sense. Why does Katana 
uh, betray Rick Flag. Why? Why does she leave and go to the bar? It makes no sense. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still waiting for somebody to explain it to me because I don't understand. Like, why does she walk? Why is she angry? I don't have an what answer. The fuck does she give a shit about? Because I guess I have no idea. It's like, is, is, <laughs> is, Katana, is Katana as, as righteous? Is, is she way more righteous than we're really giving her credit for? Is she pissed at Rick Flag because he has a personal connection to this mission, though she was late to the mission because she had a personal connection to the man she just killed? Is that what just fucking happened in this fucking movie called Suicide Squad? Because oh, that's maybe. what it seemed I like it edited that out though <laughs> don't worry about that you're, you're worried about semantics at this it, point it's, it's, it's whole, this whole thing is like hey look over here look at my keys look look at my keys <laughs> follow me over here oh uh, so i touched upon this in the review a little bit i gotta touch upon here because it just pisses me off so much batman i can understand i can totally understand i get it yes batman makes sense to be in the movie yes i agree why the fuck was flashing this Oh, uh, so like, hey, look at this scene, costume. It's cool, right? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Zack Snyder directed that scene, apparently. So, yeah. That's, of course, uh, he did. He probably fucking wanked to it, too. <laughs> but but it just it just seemed like it came from out of nowhere. Like, it's cl- like, you know, we joke around a lot when we talk about, oh, like, clearly he was in the wrong movie. Ha <laughs> ha. He is. Well, what the hell was the point? The only thing I can think of is that they're establishing that Boomerang is his villain. He's in his robe. Boomerang gallery. is a Flash villain. So I don't. I, it, those scene, those you're talking about it being inserted and forced. The Batman stuff to me was cool as shit because I, I'm remembering Assault on Arkham, the better Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, and I, I well, know this movie Batman had has three connect- Batman villains. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I understand Batman showing up in this movie. Flash showing up in this movie with Boomerang. It didn't bother me as much as the other things that were like fundamental to why this movie doesn't make sense. You know, like the villain, like the villain's brother that apparently just they forgot about. Oh, I'm convinced that that is still Oscar Isaac uh, from X Men Apocalypse, and they just didn't want it. They just didn't <laughs> just want to walked, reuse the cross sets. <laughs> you cross, crossover. That makes more sense now. Now it makes complete sense. <laughs> but I, that, oh, oh, yeah, but I mean yeah. that relationship between. Uh, I said this before, June Moore and uh, Rick Flag, and you know it's established. June, June Moon, June Moon, June Moon, uh, June Moon, yeah. whatever the hell. It's a comic book movie. Uh, Maddie Eggs. Their name. Their Come names on, it's got a rhyme. rhyme. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Bullshit. Or be alliterative. Rick Flag. It should have been called uh, Rick Rick Dick. I don't know. Rick Dick. <laughs> Dick Flag. That's the porn variety coming out soon. So you're skipping over the part where she fights everybody in the team with swords for apparently no reason because five seconds later she disarms all of them with a wave of her hand. You forgot about yeah, that part, uh, man. Uh, where did it go wrong? Like, I, I, where did I this all go wrong? Is it just simply Warner Brothers freaking out because they're just there's no? Oh my God, it, it it think about this for a minute. Who fucked with Christopher Nolan when he made the Dark Knight films? Nobody. Nobody. He had he had Tarantino. Autonomy. He produced it with his wife, directed and wrote it. They just gave him the money. Right. It's really what it came down to, and the resources to make the fucking movie. Here, I feel very strongly that they said to David Ayer, "We need your script. We need your script because we we've already set a date. We have to have it, you know, released by this date. So production will take this amount of time." And I I just don't feel that they are supportive as a studio. And suddenly, something has really dawned on me recently, and it's a really scary thought when you think about it. They're going to keep on releasing movies, uh, right? They're going to keep on releasing Wonder That's Woman, scary. That's Justice scary. League. No, 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 no. This is the real scary thought. Okay. What if we live in a universe where Wonder Woman is bad, 
The Flash movie is bad. And every single one of these movies is bad. Like, there's not a single one that we could ever call good. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about the whole uh, uh, DC versus Marvel thing. The people who would be most upset about that is Marvel. Because if that happens, that is a that that is a stab in the heart of the comic book genre, which is Marvel's bread and butter. Marvel wants these movies, these DC movies, to make so much money. They want to make all the money in the world because it just makes them earn more money with their films. Competition breeds just just money. They don't want they don't want Batman vs Superman to fail. <laughs> they want that movie to make everybody to get hype because if Batman vs Superman was successful, they'd be like, "Oh, what's the next movie for the next Marvel out? movie?" It's yeah, like, "Well, what's Marvel going to do next?" Yeah. But if all these DC movies start sucking, that's going to start bleeding over to Marvel like, "Well, I just saw Suicide Squad. That sucked. Fuck, I'm going to watch Doctor Strange for." That that that's how that shit hurts them. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's how I've been with comic book movies. I mean, I, I still watch them, but I'm I'm getting to a point where it, it's so the redundancies of the same thing I'm, I'm seeing over and over and, and the lack of stakes. So that, that was the biggest issue I had with this movie. Just no stakes. The stakes were, you know, they're not going to kill off Harley Quinn. You know, they're not going to kill off Deadshot. They're not going to kill. They're not going to kill off anybody important that can serve some purpose later on in, in the DC universe. So. When Whiplash gets fucking offed, Slipknot, like, Slipknot, Slipknot, whatever fuck, Slipknot, Whiplash, Whiplash. whatever, f- who the fuck cares? Rope guy. The fucking guy from fucking Wind Talkers. Who the fuck cares? Adam Beach. Adam fucking Beach. What a beach. Come a long way since Flags of Our Fathers. Nobody cares. I mean, it's it's just it's so much lack of, like, I don't care. And then uh, even the characters themselves, I mean, even just some of their, like, the way they do things and their stories, I'm like... Oh God! This is like the same melodramatic shit. Even though I, I, I'll still stick by the fact that I did like El Diablo in yeah, the film, good. surprisingly. But just no, no sense of suspense in this entire film, and it just sucks that I care so little. Like my wife brought up a good point. She's like, I care about Marvel movies. I cry in Marvel movies. The stakes are there, and it makes me care for people. Here, I don't give a fuck. I mean, because they're bad guys. I don't know. That could be it, too. Who knows? <laughs> she didn't care about Superman. She didn't give a shit. When Superman no. died, did she give a shit? No. So, oh, sorry. Spoiler alert for Batman v Superman. It doesn't matter. They're making Man of Steel, too. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Sorry. Guess what? He's a zombie. <laughs> He's- <laughs> It'd be, it'd be awesome if he came back as Bizarro. I'd fucking shit my pants. <laughs> hilarious. All right, guys. <laughs> Oh, it's exhausting talking about a movie this uh, passionately. It really is. It is not the worst movie of the year. It's just where I'm angry, at least I can speak for myself, I am angry because I wanted this movie to be amazing, and it didn't deliver. And it didn't deliver because of dumb shit. It wasn't like even like, uh, oh, it just th- these characters just don't work. All these characters, I mean, for me anyway, I repeat, are great. I love Deadshot. I love Harley. I like the joke. I mean, for me to say I like this Joker, I'm not going to say it's better than Heath or Nicholson or Hamill, but <gasps> it's fine. You mean I, he's not better than Nicholson, which I've been hearing on the internet about that he they're, is? They're smoking dope, if that's the case. I want to uh, smoke what they're smoking. <laughs> but I mean, he is fine. I like this Joker. I want to see this Joker in this Batman have a conversation. I it, it could have been worse where I'm like, I don't want everyone to see this Joker again. I want to see this Joker again. I like Croc for the five seconds and the two lines he has in the movie because the makeup effect is great, but they don't give him anything. 
El Diablo, uh, El Gano. So, I, I mean, we don't got nothing. <laughs> but then, again, these characters, when we're talking about things I like, I like these characters, but how do you take, how do you have these good characters? It seems like the David Ayer did a really good job making these characters come to life, but then he puts them on a chessboard that's covered with shit. I don't understand why it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Nothing makes sense. Yeah. Nothing makes sense anymore. Dogs and cats living together. Kevin Kevin Spacey playing a cat. Nothing makes sense. Yeah, it came out the same weekend. Yeah, I should have saw that instead. <laughs> we should really be talking about nine lives. I think it lost all nine of its lives for that movie. Uh, <laughs> did you, Frank Underwood playing a cat? It should make sense. <laughs> all right, guys, we ready to do our top threes? You guys ready to do this? I think so. All yeah. Right. Let's head over into a top three section, shall we? Okay, I'm counting. One, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got it straight, man? Everything okay? Everything's fine. So with the release of Suicide Squad, we are counting down today our top three favorite anti-heroes, which is something that I also put up for a poll recently on negsbesting.com, the results of which uh, were uh, pretty interesting to say the least here, but should be interesting to see what our personal favorites are. Um, There's a lot of criteria for this sort of thing, and, you know, I mean, for me, I think like, you know, when I think of anti-hero, I think of somebody that starts off not as the hero or is not the hero the entire way through the film, but it's somebody that you still root to see succeed and it's somebody that ultimately gains your sympathy at a certain point. So that was my criteria. Um, what about you, Matt? What was your criteria before we unveil our lists? I mean, I thought about it. I mean, and traditionally, when I think of anti-hero, I always think of the kind of the more traditional, like a guy put in a, a guy or girl put in a bad situation and they have to kind of like become a hero it's like the un the unwilling hero if you will but i can see where other people go the other way where it's like a person who's the complete opposite of a hero it could be a bad guy and then you find something redeemable that happens with them too so it's one of those kind of sliding scales and how you really want to uh kind of call an anti-hero an anti-hero so i i kind of um with my top three i kind of chose a little bit of a combination of the two, so it should make for something interesting. I think so. And you, DJ? I'm, I'm pretty much with Matt. If you're a bad, I kind of picked. I mean, there's a million of them, and I'm probably gonna leave off a couple that are kind of closer to the hero version of the anti. But I wanted to make my list out of more antis than heroes. So if you started off bad, and but you kind of fight the urge to do something good, uh near the end i went with that list uh so i I wanted to go bad that turned good so cool all right so matt we'll start off with you first uh who's your number three all right this is gonna be kind of um i I was trying to think of something clever which of course me and clever and that never works but i was trying to think is this something a little bit different and kind of just kind of wacky and out there a little bit so for my number three i'm picking from from Dust Till Dawn, Seth Gecko. Oh, I love Seth Gecko. I'm fucking playing with you, asshole. Do you want this little girl to die, or that little girl, or yourself, or your bosom buddy with the badge? Now, I don't want to do it, but I will turn this place into the fucking wild bunch if I think that you are fucking with me. What do you want from me? I did what you said. You let him use 
the bathroom. No store does that. He comes in here every day and we bullshit. He's used my toilet a thousand times. If I told him no, he'd know something right. was up. I want him out of here, in his car, and down the road, or you can change the name of this place to Benny's World of Blood. I think oh, a man, lot of people, right for, well, one, people forget about this movie. This movie's fucking awesome. It's probably yes, it is. one of Quentin Tarantino's best performances as an actor, I would say. Yes. And um, definitely one of Robert Rodriguez's strongest films. I mean, I'm a horror guy anyway, so I'm going to love it regardless, but... When this movie came out, I think I saw it when I was in fifth grade, which is probably not something you should be watching when you're in fifth grade, especially the whole pussy scene. Pussy, pussy, pussy. But um, <laughs> all in all, it's like he's like the, the, the typical guy that you guys are talking about, where he's just a, a scumbag, worst person you can ever think. He's an armed robber, but there's still glimpses of him in this movie that he's still, you know, he cares about his brother. He's kind of an uh, honorable thief, if you will. Um, and then at the end, of course, you know, he has to fight his way out of a fucking coven of, I don't know if it's a coven, a den of vampires, if you will. So, and he ends up still doing the right thing at the end. So he's still villainous by his career path, but he still has these impulses to do good or do the right thing, or at least, you know, walk a path in that kind of like, you know, righteous, unrighteous type of thing. So Seth Gecko is, I don't think a lot of people think of him like that. I hope they do, but... I like him as kind of that, that typical villain turned pseudo good guy at the end there. Bad aspect. I really, really like that one. And From Dust Till Dawn is a movie that you're right, doesn't get a lot of talk, and it really should. It's a really, really freaking awesome. He's got a little shitty sequels, I guess, so that kind of takes yeah. away from it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an awesome movie to just sit back, relax to, and, and just be entertained by it at the end of the day. Um, DJ, number three Richard B. Riddick, Escape Convict. Murderer. I love this character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the simple fact that, and when it comes to on all of our lists, when it comes to bad, Seth Gecko is a good one, but Richard B. Riddick is a murderous killing machine <laughs> who altered his own body to be a better killer. <laughs> okay. And lets people die just to prove a fucking point. Richard B. Riddick is not a nice person and tells you that as. Uh, at any chance he gets first you gotta kill a few people the guy's fucking awesome it was kind of the first time I actually this is when I liked Vin Diesel when he was like oh this guy's fucking dope because you do not believe in God does not mean God does not believe in you you can spend half the life in a slam the horse bit in their mouth and not believe think it could start out in some liquor store trash bin with an umbilical cord wrapped around his neck and not believe got it all wrong holy man I absolutely believe in God. And I absolutely hate the fucker. He's <laughs> awesome. And the fact that he's he's at such a point of being savage, like a savage monster. Near the, and I'm talking about Pitch Black more than Chronicles of Riddick and when they made him like a superhero or some crap. But in, in, in Pitch Black, he was just a savage monster prisoner. And the arc he takes in that movie to being like, you know, don't die for me. Die, you know, uh, the captain of the ship. You know, it's such a growth of an anti-hero where you're kind of rooting for him. And he's 
having this debate with Keith David, another great voiced guy, you know, about who who's more Keith David's more of the holy man and he's more of the atheist and the where's your God now, you know, that whole stuff. He's just an interesting character that they've squandered with these uh <laughs> with this Chronicles of Riddick movie. Who I thought if they would have done the that. Chronicles of Riddick universe. <laughs> yeah, it it, it, it could have been done so much better because the character is awesome and he's for a character that has dirt on him, I think he has the most dirt on him because he never apologizes for being a fucking murderer <laughs> and no. do not you do not want to be around me i'm a murderer i will kill all of you i will look for the first opportunity to cut fucking bait and leave you to die if i have to so yeah richard b Rick, i've always loved the character uh i, I, I wish they would have fixed him <laughs> i wish i wish i did like the new one yeah it's funny all i hear in my head right now is uh, Michael Keaton from that new movie, The Founder, just being like franchise, 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 <laughs> and that's how I feel like everybody was with Riddick at first, and yeah. it, it is a shame because that is such a fascinating character that has been butchered, in my opinion, by all these different spinoff films and sequels and prequels and whatever the fuck. It, it's it's a shame, really, but you're 100 percent correct though in your assessment that he ultimately is a fascinating character overall, and would probably be, in my opinion, um, you know, one of Vin Diesel's uh, better performances, which isn't really saying much, but, I mean, I like him more than uh, Dominic Toretto, so. Dominic Toretto. <laughs> yeah, you got Nas, bro. One last ride. God. <laughs> We're a family. You see what? I prefer Riddick. <laughs> Riddick doesn't drive cars. He just cuts people up. <laughs> yeah. Nice car. I'm going to kill you and drive it away. So for my number three, uh, I'm going with what I think is the best performance of Edward Norton's career in American History X as Derek Vineyard. Who gives a shit? Our government doesn't give a shit. Our border policy is a joke. So is anybody surprised that south of the border they're laughing at us? Laughing at our laws? Yeah. Every night, thousands of these parasites stream across the border like some fucking pinata exploded. Don't laugh. There's nothing funny going on here. This is about your life and mine. It's about decent, hardworking Americans falling through the cracks and getting the shaft because their government cares more about the constitutional rights of a bunch of people who aren't even citizens of this country. On the Statue of Liberty, it says, give me your tired, your hungry, your poor. Well, it's Americans who are tired and hungry and poor. And I say until you take care of that, close the fucking book. Because we're losing. And mm. obviously the reasons for that are, you know, can it get any more black and white? <laughs> okay, that was a bad Ooh. joke. Oh, but realistically. That's not like a joke from Suicide Squad. Oh, come on, guys. Stench of Sorry, death. I had to do it. <laughs> Well, well, they are the bad guys. All right, you guys are you guys are so much not my family, like Suicide Squad. <laughs> but um, this character uh, that Edward Norton plays in this film here of uh, Derek Vineyard is one of the most fascinating characters I've seen in a film in quite some time, and that's because he just starts off as the epitome of hatred and does the most terrible things you could possibly imagine being a, uh, a a skinhead you know living in i believe it was what was it, it was los angeles right if i remember correctly where the film yeah, takes place yeah la yeah like uh like on the b like santa monica or something like that but after going to prison for uh what was ultimately murder but uh because no one would testify against him he doesn't uh, get murder um Instead, I think I think he gets a weapons charge or something along those lines. He befriends um, another black character who, 
you know, he grows very fond of. And when he emerges from prison, he's got a different outlook on life. And it's all about then making sure that his younger brother does not end up following in his footsteps. I love this movie. I really do. And I know a lot of people that also love it as well. Maybe for the wrong reasons, unfortunately. But I think that what Edward Norton here, um, what he does is pretty incredible. And the character of Derek Vineyard um, is someone that I just find to be so utterly fascinating. And I find the character arc that he undergoes to be so believable. And that's a testament to Edward Norton's performance. So Derek Vineyard, American History X. Isn't isn't that the movie where the is it the director he doesn't claim credit for it anymore or something like that? Somebody no, not at all. Tony K. Okay, there's somebody who maybe it was the writer or something. Somebody went under the name Alan Smithy under that. I cannot remember who the fuck hmm. it is. But, for oh, that man. for that movie? I, 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 oh no, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was the director Tony K. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I have to look it up. I'll, I'll look it up as we're talking. Okay. In any event, though, um, that leads us over back to you again, Matt. What do you got in number two? Okay, this was kind of a a toss-up, and I think one of these is going to be a layup, but I'm hoping that for my number one and number two, these are kind of interchangeable type of characters or people that you can go either one with them. So uh, I'll just kind of go with the cliched one, and I'm just going to go with John McClane from the Die Hard series. Um, This is probably one that we all... This is like the classic unwitting this was like the beginning of like the 80s action hero who wasn't an action hero you know fucking how how can the same shit happen to the same guy twice type of thing you know just wrong place wrong time and having to fight your way out but you have me at a loss you know my name but who are you just another american who saw too many movies as a child Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? You could make the argument that the guy was already kind of a hero since he was a cop, but... He was, you know, he he drank. He was getting a divorce from his wife. He was very, very, very flawed. So, uh, usually, our typical heroes are are you know shining beacons of light that are you know untouchable and they're they're like Superman type things. But this was the complete opposite of any hero you were getting out of uh, Schwarzenegger, or Stallone, or anybody from the eighties. So, and he was just like us. I mean, he he was scared to fly. Uh, he didn't like heights. Um, he just had a rocky marriage and, um, uh, you know, he didn't, he had a good time in, in the film just fucking with the bad guys too, which is what more can you get from a guy who's not a hero? You know, he had plenty of catchphrases and this is like, for me, this is the anti-hero in films, at least for the past 30 or 40 years. Everything should be modeled or was modeled after John McClane, the every man who turned into a hero, so... Come at me. Who's going to fucking argue that shit? I love John McClane. You you, you know I love John McClane. Don't come at me, no John McClane. You know I love John McClane. Yeah, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Who was supposed to be played by Frank Sinatra, you son of a bitch. (laughs) How different would that have been? (laughs) So, I think that should be the end of the countdown right there. Done. That's it. Well, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately for you, it is not. So, DJ number two. 
I looked it up. Uh, Edward Norton was said to have re-edited uh, American History X to lengthen his screen time. Director Tony K attempted to get his name removed from the credits, but violated the Directors Guild of America rule that states that directors that use pseudonyms such as Alan Smithy must not talk about why they had their name removed. That's why his name is on the movie. So yeah, the director and Edward Norton hate each other. My number two. <laughs> there you go. A little trivia for you. There you go. There you go, folks. I remember there was some big dispute between Tony Kay and the, and, and the movie. I couldn't remember what it was. Uh, because it Edward seems Norton like there's always ego. a big dispute with any movie that Edward Norton works on. It, it, it always comes down to Edward Norton's ego, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Um, my number... My number two is it's it's because uh, you know I have a little Disney affiliations. I'm gonna go with uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, this is a guy who, on the surface, I'm talking about the first movie, not the three other other shit I followed. Yeah, <laughs> the first movie I loved it because again, yeah, you can't really talk about those. Yeah, yeah. the first movie because he was quintessentially a pirate. He did not give a crap about. Uh, Orlando Bloom in his non-underwear wearing behind, or Elizabeth uh, uh, Swan. He did not care about them. He was all using them to get what he wanted until the end of the movie, which is essentially where he decides to help. Which uh, His character, one, is entertaining as shit. It's probably the best role Jack, uh, Johnny Depp might have ever had. And I shall need to know your name. What do you say to three shillings? And we forget the name. Welcome to Port Royal, Mr. Smith. Uh, it, 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 it's fun. It's exciting. It's it. He plays against type. He cheats in a sword fight. <laughs> he has no <laughs> pirate. Honor and you, yeah, he's a pirate, and he's still you still like him, and and you know the and essentially his whole quest is revenge, and that he wants to get his boat and get revenge on the man who left him on a goddamn uh, island, uh, Barbosa. That's what makes me pissed off that Barbosa comes back and they're friends, and I'm like, dude, you shot him and killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you come back friendship from that, but yeah, Jack Sparrow is dope. I've always liked the character. The character I've always wanted to do, you know, when I was writing something with a character like Jack Sparrow because he's such. He has a lot of – there's a lot to mine from that character. They've tried to do it in these movies, and I think they've bungled it as well. So, yeah, Jack Sparrow was my uh, number two. Oh, it's a very, very good choice, an inspired choice. And I am with anybody that thinks that it's Johnny Depp's best performance of his entire career. When that film came out, never, never before have we seen anything like that. And probably never will again, even though Disney tried to make it happen Five times. Was it five times? <laughs> Fuck! I thought I thought it was only four. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's another one coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. It's a uh, franchise, yeah. franchise, 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 franchise. Ah, <laughs> man, fucking Hollywood. But uh, either way, <laughs> very good pick overall. <laughs> my number two is one of my favorite films of the decade so far. I'm in love with this film. And I, there's, there's no way. Anytime I think of any kind of list, I, I, I don't try to include this movie somehow, some way, because I think it is truly a perfect film. Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg in the Social Network. Wow, is there, a, is he a hero? Go ahead. I'm, I so this. <laughs> this is a guy who you have sympathy for in the beginning, but yet you don't because you have sympathy for sympathy for him because he is really, really smart. 
He's kind of an anti-social person. He's kind of a nerd. He, you, you feel kind of bad for him to a certain degree. Uh, but he is so wickedly smart that he does have um, a defense mechanism where he puts himself above everybody else due to how smart he is and due to his idea for Facebook, which you know is all about him stealing the idea ultimately, although he claims that he never has nor did. And I just found him, despite every step of the way where he's belittling people, he's talking down to people, he's running circles around him in the dialogue factory, I was rooting for him to still succeed. Why is that? It all does come back down to Jesse Eisenberg's performance at the end of the day here. But realistically speaking, as somebody who fights the system and still finds a way to succeed in the end, and yet through it all, after he outs even his best friend and royally screws him over, you see that twinge of sadness on his face. And at the end of the movie, when he's hopelessly looking through his uh, Facebook page to see if his ex-girlfriend is going to accept his friend request or not. You do feel, in my opinion, you do feel that bit of sympathy for him because he is so closed off and so alone. Now, you may look at him as a complete jerk and think he deserves every bit of it and fuck everybody in this movie. Nobody's likable. But I'm, I'm on the opposite spectrum of that. So for me, it's Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network. In the 16th email, you raised concerns about the site's functionality. Were you leading them on for six weeks? No. Then why didn't you raise any of these concerns before? It's raining. I'm sorry? It just started raining. Mr. Zuckerberg, do I have your full attention? No. Do you think I deserve it? What? Do you think I deserve your full attention? I had to swear an oath before we began this deposition, and I don't want to perjure myself, so I have a legal obligation to say no. Okay, no. You don't think I deserve your attention? I think if your clients want to sit on my shoulders and call themselves tall, they have a right to give it a try, but there's no requirement that I enjoy sitting here listening to people lie. You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. The rest of my attention is back at the offices of Facebook, where my colleagues and I are doing things that no one in this room, including and especially your clients, are intellectually or creatively capable of doing. I like Brenda's song. (laughs) She was good. So do I. I love it. One of my favorite parts. Damn you guys! I can watch. I can watch her and Justin Timberlake. Like, oh man, oh, imagine dude. them getting it on. No, I, I think that's probably that. one of the. It's one of the few Andrew Garfield roles I really, really like as well. So that yeah, there's people in the movie that are likable. I, I just never see him as a good guy. I love that film. I because I, I'm a Aaron Sorkin uh, cult member. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's a great character <laughs> because you're right. He is very like everything out of his mouth is like I hate you. <laughs> Everything out of it, but yeah, I, 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 I just don't see him as a hero. I can't argue, though. I can't argue. I'm not on the fence here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see him more like he's the hero for a generation of just like kind of weird, socially awkward people who don't know anything about being social. So he's kind of like the poster boy hero for a lot of these people. Like, okay, I can hide behind my Facebook page or do this, and it kind of gives me this little bit of an outlet. So there you it's like, go. Hey, if he was that you way. Get it. I can yeah I, yeah I I can see but it's for a very select group it's like but he he also kind of like I don't know I I kind of respect in certain ways the way he did it too which is fucked up to say but you know sometimes that's the world we live in now it's more of a kind of like oh man he's what a fucked up thing to do but gotta respect the motherfucker for doing it so. yeah it took balls man. 
I, I appreciate anybody that goes out of their way to uh, make a move like that. No matter how much of a dick you are, dude, he got there first. And you know what they say? Nice guys finish last. Well, guess what? Mark Zuckerberg probably one time or never tried to be the nice guy. Didn't work out for him. He's handicapped in life for many different reasons, one of which... He doesn't row crew, yeah. so he's not big, strong, and wealthy like the Winklevoss twins who have had everything in life handed them on a silver fucking platter. This is his chance to say fuck you to them, just like Justin Timberlake says when he sends him to that meeting in his flip-flops and his uh, robe. He, he sends him in there to just say fuck you and walk out. Like, this movie, I love this movie to death. I really do. And anybody that's listening to me right now, I hope, I hope, I hope that you guys can get a different perspective on the matter and maybe go back and watch the film again. It's, ugh, love that movie. It's dope. All right, this is it. Number one time. So, <laughs> Matthew, you ready, Matt? Number one. So, this is what I was saying, that you can kind of flip these two. You can go either one with these. But so I, this wasn't initially in my top three at all. I had even it had, didn't even occur to me. But then it kind of occurred to me, and I was like, I could probably make a pretty good uh, case for this. And for number one, I'm going to say Ellen Ripley from the Alien movies. You found this lane there. No blood. No Dallas. Nothing. How come I don't hear anybody saying nothing around I'm this thinking. place? Unless somebody has got a better idea, we'll proceed with Dallas's plan. What? And then don't blight the others? <laughs> no, you're out of your mind. You got a better idea? Yes. I say that we abandoned the ship. Um... She pretty much, I mean, you could say she is a badass action chick. She is a hero. But if you take it from the beginning, she's just a person, one of the one of the crew on the, on the Nostromo, doesn't know anything about anything. And she's faced with basically everybody around her fucking dying and her having to be the heroine at, uh, in, in the movie. And But the thing is, you also get to see her evolve. And she does, of course, become... A hero later on in the films but i'm just concentrating on the first alien movie where she's just a, a woman who's scared on a haunted house basically having to fight some creature she has no idea what it is and become a hero out of necessity more so than anything else out of self-preservation so um i'm gonna say ellen ripley at number one just because she's not a hero and then she became pretty much a fucking generational a female character in film at the same time after the first alien Interesting choice. Not one that I expected whatsoever, because I, I think she falls squarely still within the hero realm for me and not necessarily the anti-hero. So I'm I think if you concentrate on the on the later films, yes, I would definitely say. But if you just kind of concentrate on the first movie with her becoming what she becomes, it's like her origin story where she does become a hero. But in, in the movie, there's plenty of cases where she's like, I don't want to fucking deal with this. We're here to make fucking make money and Everybody, she's with everybody else, kind of on on the same uh, with the, uh, was it Yafik Koto, and she's just kind of a, another kind of gun for hire, if you really want. She's a contractor on a fucking government rig, looking to find alien shit, and she eventually does have to fight off the alien, whether she like she was she's put in a situation where she has to fight 
her way out of it, and she was not willing whatsoever, but she did find kind of in the same John McClane realm for me at least. All right. Okay. That's fine. Hey, I mean, listen, you know, there's no, uh, I, I'm still a little perplexed by it personally, but at the same exact time, there's no judgment here. And the criteria I'm is judging, the criteria. I'm as judging you. Oh, fine. I'm judging you. I'm judging you, David. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ, what do you got? Oh, man, this was tough because I was really thinking about picking a certain scruffy looking nerf herder here. But that scruffy-looking nerf herder, I think, is only an anti-hero in one film. So I'm gonna go with my the guy who I think was has been a uh, anti-hero in literally all of the films, maybe except for half of one. And that person is Max. His name, his world is fire and blood. Mad Max is my number one anti-hero. For the simple fact that. He doesn't. We want to talk about not wanting getting involved. He, if you watch any Mad Max, Road Warrior, Thunderdome, he does not give a shit about you. <laughs> he does not care. He's reluctantly drawn into situations and reluctantly helps, especially in Fury Road. He just wants to get the hell up out of there. <laughs> That's all he wants. And then through that, he, especially when, um, and I'm talking about Fury Road now, when Furiosa and the team leaves he kind of doesn't need to go after them. And and that's the only point where he's like, you know what? I got to help them out. And uh, you need to turn back and you need to win back your realm. Look, it'll be a hard day. But I guarantee you that 160 days ride that way. There's nothing but salt. At least that way, you know, we might be able to be together. Come across some kind of redemption. That's a fucking anti-hero right there. That when you think of Mad Max, you don't think of you know shining teeth and ha ah, I'm out for the girl. He just wants his shit and you to leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> That's all he wants in all of these movies. After his family, spoiler alert, dies in the first one, he's all about him. That's it. Even the dog. He's barely about the dog. He doesn't. <laughs> he wants his car. That's mine. He wants his gun, and that's all he really wants. If you fuck with him, he'll kick your ass. But most of the time, like in the first World War, he's trying just to get up out of there. He just wants to get the gasoline. He doesn't want to get involved. And then he's like, "If you want to get out of here, you gotta, you gotta talk to me." That's Matt. That's a fucking antihero for me. So Mad Max is my number one antihero. <laughs> My favorite film of last year, Mad Max Fury Road. It is absolutely a breathtaking, unbelievably well-made film. I, I I, love that choice that you just said because you're right. He's a character that's all about self-preservation. And by the end of that film, he's really, really uh, gotten himself so deep into this whole mess that he does come to care for all of the people involved. And even uh, when he has a chance to leave again, he comes back and finishes the fight with them. That's a That, to me, is a great choice. He could have ruled with Furiosa, and he dips. He's like, nah, man, <laughs> I'm out. And Fur- that look, see, don't let me start on Fury Road. I fucking love that movie. But that look between Furiosa and him at the end of the movie, that's just fucking Max right there. He's like, look, look I ain't about all this shit. <laughs> I'm about me and getting the fuck up out of here. That's all it is. <laughs> I mean, I'll help you. But after I help you, deuces, I'm out. <laughs> that's Max for me. Yeah. Well, we now come to my number one choice, and my number one choice is going to be a controversial one, which may have different opinions from both of you. You son of a bitch. Um, and you could say whether you agree or disagree with this, but realistically, <laughs> I think my my favorite anti-hero in all of film is Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. 
May 10th. Thank God for the rain, which has helped wash away the garbage and the trash off the sidewalks. I'm working long hours now. Six in the afternoon to six in the morning, sometimes even eight in the morning. Six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. It's a long hustle, but it keeps me real busy. I can take in three, three fifty a week, sometimes even more when I do it off the meter. Because Travis Bickle is a character that, much like Mark Zuckerberg, as I explained before, is somebody who does not understand human beings. He doesn't know how to socially interact with people. He is completely, as a result, handicapped uh, from becoming a normal person and living what we would call a normal life. And it's such a great psychological dive into the psyche of somebody that just feels utterly meaningless and wants to just simply matter in this world. And then they resort to an act of violence uh, to matter, whether that be um, as it was compared to at the time of the film's release, shooting a president, or if it's uh, saving a child prostitute from a bunch of gangbangers and from a life of misery. Whatever your viewpoint here is of the final scene of Taxi Driver, for me, it falls more in that um, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of him trying to make a difference, uh, even though that difference is through a form of violence, which I think does call into a lot of great questions and a lot of thought-provoking themes as to the nature of violence and its use to gain uh, a greater good, so to speak. Um, and then there's that whole ending sequence with the letter thanking him for everything that he did, how he's considered a hero now. Um, and then he sees Betsy at the end of the film. And you're left wondering whether or not if all of this is real or not. And I think that ambiguity uh, does give you a little bit of a leeway, it gives you a bit of an out to assume whatever it is that you want to assume about the Travis Bickle character and the film Taxi Driver as a whole. So I will argue and I will say that I think that he's probably not uh, – I don't think he's a hero and I don't think he's a villain. I, I, I think that's why he is considered probably one of the best anti-heroes, if not the best in the history of cinema. He uh, he, he has – I mean we- – yeah, when he has like uh, psychological problems, like if this was television, mine would probably be uh, um, Elliot from Mr. Robot. And the, I think they're kind of cut from the same cloth where this guy is broken mentally, but he does the right thing <laughs> at the end of the movie, though, in a very ultra violent way. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I can't argue. I can see it. I can see it. It wouldn't be mine, but I can see what, how, how you see Travis Bickle. Well, it's the whole thing, too, where it's like this was like a product of like, you know, he's a product of Vietnam, so it had a lot to do with that. So he was already psychologically fucked from the war, and he brought that back. Plus, you kind of combine that with just the way that New York was back in like the 1970s, 1980s, just as like a big, a giant cesspool. And he does, I mean, he's surrounded by so much shit and horrible stuff and everything like that. So I could see where he can be like, uh, some type of shining light or at least some type of role model to somebody's like wow somebody thinks the same way i do about this fucking stinking whole shitty city and everything like that so he is like like you said like, like you pick like the anti 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 heroes right here between zuckerberg and uh, travis yeah, bickle for that's the a, most part. that's a, that's the anti-hero anti-heroes are like whoa yeah <laughs> but but you can't say that they're villains you can't. They're very ambiguous. They're almost like it's more forces of nature that come in, and they they have one specific purpose. Like in here, his one specific good deed that he did in this was save Jodie Foster's prostitute character from Harvey Keitel and everything like that. But it's, it's a guy who's 
you know, he 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 has good. You see, he has good in him, if, even if it's done with like brutal, horrific, murderous force at the end of it. But there still is some type of humanity left in him, I guess. At that point, it's a good conversation to have. It's a really, really good. In my opinion, it's it's obviously it's one of the greatest films ever made. Taxi Driver, you can't beat it, and it's amazing that all these years later, um, we're still talking about it to this day. And you know, you could you could talk about it all day as a result in different aspects of the film and how it relates to today's society. That's a timeless film right there. So I want to thank you guys for the lists. Lists were fun. The review was fun. But tell us where we can find these simplistic reviews that we always hear so much about. Where, where can we find you guys on the internet? <laughs> we're Simplistic Reviews. You can, check out, you can check out all of our stuff right at simplisticreviews.net. You can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, uh, download the podcast. We just released a podcast, uh, podcast number 72, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, with a good friend of ours and a good friend of yours as well, Negs, uh, J.D. Duran of the Incision Film Podcast. That was a ton of fun, and uh, you could download that on iTunes or a sti- Nexi uh, makes, Stitcher. Nexi or, makes a cameo in that uh, episode. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, if you in the very very beginning, if you guys like good old fashioned fun on the expense of uh, Jason Bourne films, uh, definitely check out the beginning of that podcast. Check out the whole podcast. Don't just listen to the fucking beginning <laughs> and then turn it off. As somebody that's been a guest on the show before, uh, the whole thing is a laugh-out-loud riot. I love your podcast, guys. Uh, well, flattery will not save you. <laughs> flattery will get our pants off. I don't know why, but it will get our pants <laughs> It might. You know, it, it depends. My, my wife makes me wear uh-huh. a chastity belt now, so that's just might not do much. Call the locksmith, if you will. <laughs> So yeah, simplisticreviews.net. You can definitely check check out all our stuff right there. All the links are right there on the website. You can link to all of our social media platforms and our podcast and everything else in the Simplistic Reviews world is right there. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me today on this episode of the Neg's Best Film Podcast. There are some very, very, very big changes coming to the website, which will be launching on September first it's a whole new look a whole new feel a new focus um the podcasts are going to keep on rolling but there's some definite and interesting changes abroad so be on the lookout for that ladies and gentlemen i also want to just quickly just give a shout out and a plug as well to the in session film podcast jd and brendan they are two of my boys and they are absolutely phenomenal if you do get a chance please subscribe to them on itunes soundcloud Google Play, TuneIn, Jabbercast, wherever the hell you possibly can find a podcast, they are pretty much on there, at In Session Film. Guys, that'll just about do it right now for episode 25 of the Negs Best Film Podcast. I have been your host, Maddie Negs, and I will see you all next time. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Sleepover Cinema. Cinema. 
our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.